Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Hey everybody, welcome to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. Uh, That's all I got to say really this morning. I hope you're all having a great day. I I wanted to bring back um, our latest contributor, Sean Lanny, from uh, his golf studio. We're going to say your studio this morning. How's that? And and, absolutely. you what? I'm sorry. We've got a brand new name to announce. Okay. Um, before we do that, I wanted to say that Sean now is going to be part of our regular uh, broadcast as a contributor. He works, as you know, with Bruce Furman at Langdon Farms, but Sean's got his own teaching center up in Vancouver, Washington, and um, he's going to be contributing a couple of times a month to the show and be a regular on the show every couple months as far as uh, a guest spot and all that. And this is all due to the fact of the new golf, uh, newsnet iHeart app, uh, for golf podcast. It's the only dedicated channel on iHeart to golf. So there you go, Sean. Hey, how you doing? Good JT. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Welcome to the team. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. It's uh, always great to have some sort of influence on the unique listeners that you draw and attract for sure. I don't know if they're attractive, but I do draw them. So So they're unique. They're unique like that. So first of all, tell us about the new name you want to announce. And then secondly, tell us uh, what you think you're going to um, provide us as far as content. Yeah, for sure. So like you mentioned, uh, I'm the director of junior golf at Langdon farms, but in addition to that, Um, I have now owned this indoor facility since May of 2020. I just went through a trademark infringement uh, with a wonderful company back in Florida that they felt I threatened. So I had to change the name of my business and the new name is 18 Shots. And there's kind of a storyline behind it. Sure. Back in the day, there was four guys in Scotland that would basically take a fifth of whiskey and they would have a shot per hole for the highest score. And it's documented uh, that this foursome of golfers in Scotland would basically finish a bottle, finish a fifth of whiskey because there's 18 shots and a fifth of whiskey. And uh, the highest score would uh, have to take a shot per hole. So it probably turned out to be a pretty interesting day for this foursome. (laughs) I'm not going to say that I named my business around it, but it definitely is a real cool storyline. Um, what I, I might tell to the junior golf parents is that there's 18 shots, 18 opportunities for them to play 
a round of golf. And the first hole, the first shot doesn't influence the second hole or the second shot. So it's a stay in the present moment, deal with one shot at a time. So that's kind of our storyline for adults and juniors. Um, we're excited. It's uh, we've got the logo finalized. We've got uh, the business is absolutely pumped and we're going into our busy season. If you're around the Vancouver area, just swing up Lakeshore Avenue It's at the shops at Erickson Farms. That's where we're at. But um, you know, the thing, Jeff, that I want to bring and influence your listeners again, those, uh, those golfers out there is, uh, you know, I want to give them relevant uh, information. I want to give them uh, topics that they can actually use. Uh, they can go to the range, they can go to the golf course and they can relate to what I'm talking about versus maybe going over their head, over the top with um, my knowledge about certain aspects of the golf swing. I want to give them simple stuff they can run with. And, you know, every time that you have me on the show, I'm just going to add layers to some of those topics and some of those ways that the golfers can, you know, maybe perhaps influence their game to get better and lower their handicap. Sure. Uh, those 18 um, shots, that kind of sounds like the crew I run with on the golf course. That's just a little side story there, but yeah. that's as far as I'll go with it. But that um, uh, birdie flask has taken hold. Let's put it that way. You guys must make a lot of birdies in. Uh, we think we do. Yeah. yeah. There you go. I like it. <laughs> we think we do. Well, in, in, in looking at everything, Sean, uh, one of the things you touched on there, which I think is really important. If you read, let's just say one of the, the two top leading golf magazines, uh, golf digest and i'm not picking on them and they have they have teaching pros in there that give you a lot of very good tips but you can go back the last 12 issues and you can get virtually 12 different swing thoughts or techniques or practice uh, regiments for the same shot uh let's just say you're you're chipping okay whatever and, and I think sometimes that gets very confusing to people because one, one pro will say, well, do it this way. And another one says, do it this way. And then you got somebody that's got a, a banana under one arm and uh, you know, a lawnmower in his other hand, and they're trying to teach you to do this or that. Right. I've always thought that it's like, you know, the best thing you can do is make decent contact with the ball, try to get it generally in the direction you want it to go and, right. and keep it simple like that. I think, just from me and I, and I'm older, but I think sometimes we try to make this stuff too complicated, especially for the amateur golfer. Right. Well, Jeff, you've got fundamentals and you have systems that work for certain types of player coaches. Mm -hmm. So somebody learning how to chip a golf ball should learn a fundamentally sound way of hitting that particular golf shot they should also know when that shot and what type of club should be used for that shot mm -hmm. but you get a uh, let's just say a tour player who ends his career and let's use let's use bob may for instance sure new bob back in the vegas days that i spent and he would probably take some of his ways of hitting the shot and he would teach his ways to the player that might be unorthodox but they're probably not fundamentally sound for the golfer that he has in front of him, but he means 
such good intentions for that player, but it might not work for that player because the player doesn't understand and hasn't grooved that feel and that pattern for their entire life. So I think that's kind of what you're alluding to. Right. Yeah. And we see that a lot because people will come off a, a lesson from somebody. They're all good lessons for the most part in all that, but you know, so I'll, I'll give you an example. Sometimes when we've got a little, a little fringe or rough around the greens like that, I'll take a, this just me, I'll take a seven iron and just kind of like almost a putting stroke, but get it through that rough, get it over yeah. there. Now that works for me. That probably won't work for everybody, but it works for me. Uh, but I've had people question why I do that. And my answer is just what I just said. It works for me because we're all different. We all have different abilities to swing. We all have different abilities for feel. And I'm more of a feel golfer than I am anything else yeah. like that. And I think a lot of people are like that. Well, to your point there, Jeff, if you're a feel player, you can't technically get too mechanical with your approach to hit a golf shot because your mind between those ears, it's not going to be able to handle all the analytical details that are going to be consumed with you standing over the golf ball. It's going to be too much. So you, you really have to go off sensations and feels and you probably at your learning pattern, you probably can only really apply one new addition or one new thought or feel or sensation to what you do to actually make yourself a better chipper of the golf ball mm -hmm. or striking the golf ball with your full swing. So, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Everyone has different learning patterns. They either hear it, they see it, or they feel it. You obviously feel it. So it's different than hearing it and seeing it. Yeah. That might be how you kind of retain information. And so like half the battle with me in the first five minutes of meeting a player, I have to actually physically find out what learning condition, learning pattern, this person is going to receive information. And if I can find that out in the first few minutes, I'm immediately going to know exactly how to coach them. And again, I don't have a system. I have a well-rounded approach because I've had very good mentors that have made sure that I have multiple approaches in how I coach versus just teaching every single player the same exact way, which in my eyes is just not a very good uh, bag of tricks for a coach. We'll be it's back good. with more grilling at the green. And don't forget, Sean's going to be joining us on a regular basis. You can hit our website and see his mugshot um, and uh, some logos and, and all the good information there. So we'll be back right after this. Hi, everybody. It's JT. And this is a special version of grilling at the green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey everybody, welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT and one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. And you probably ask me why someday if you ever see me, but if you get to know him, You'll know why. Uh, Gary Van Sickle is back with us. Gary's a tremendous writer. He's been writing stuff since the dawn of time, or at least the dawn of mass media. Uh, he's covered golf since 1980, 125-plus uh, men's majors, 14 Ryder Cups, um, even got to write on the Concord. See, I looked up all the old stuff about you here, Gary. So, wow. You checked out my rap sheet. Great. I, I did. And it still had the picture with you with the numbers on it from the post office down there, you know, so it was all good. 
Uh, you know, it's been kind of a hell of a year in golf. Uh, all kinds of things have happened. Uh, and I, I always like doing kind of a year in show with you because it, it, you see things from a different perspective and you're involved. You're at a lot of the major tournaments and stuff, especially the men's. And I just wanted to get your take on that because from where I sit, um, we had a very, if you will, bouncy year, meaning the tour was up and down. The live thing came along, tiger came back and then he didn't come back and so on and so forth. And it was, and then it all of a sudden it just kind of stops like that. So I want to get your take on it. It's kind of like one of my stories. You're reading along thinking this isn't too bad, and then boom, it, it's over. It just ends. <laughs> Where's the ending? You forgot to put an ending on. No, you're right. It was look, it was a it was a great year in golf. And I mean, I judge that really by the majors. The we had four great majors, mm-hmm. uh, some great winners. Tiger tried to come back. That was a heck of a story. And if it's possible for anything to drown out Tiger, Live Golf came along and was I mean, there's been more written about live golf than anybody or any player or anything combined. I mean, by a mile, it's it's astonishing how live golf really hijacked the headlines in golf for the entire year, and we're still talking about it. So, right. this year had kind of everything. We had some good new winners, and you know, we have Roy McIlroy and John Rahm trying to get back to the top. Scotty Scheffler was number one. It was, you know, we stand we. St- we st- we stamped out some new stars like Scheffler. Yeah. There's nothing to like, nothing to not like about 2022 in golf. It was terrific. Yeah. And you've got some of these younger guys like Zalatoris and some of those guys, you know, they're, they're kind of getting their way in the pecking order, so to speak, if I can say it that way, you know, they're, they're moving up, they're working they're I think some of these, my opinion, Gary, is that some of these guys will actually get there and not be a one hit wonder. I think we'll, we'll see them consistently uh, over the next few years. There was a time there, I think when Tiger and Phil and um, that lot, Adam Scott and that, you know, you'd see some young guy pick off a tournament here and there. And then all of a sudden they were back on the corn Ferry tour, you know, a year later or whatever, trying to keep their card. So I think the guys now are, are a little, well, they're more athletic and they're better trained, if you will, in my opinion. But what do you think about that? Yeah, they all today's players all have better golf swings than guys 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. But you're right. Uh, everybody looks good when they win. And I hate it when some TV announcer goes, well, this is his first win. The floodgates are going to open. You know, when has that ever happened? I mean, you can count on one hand number of times a guy got his first win and took off. But when they when they win, it looks so easy because they're making putts. You know, you mentioned Zalatoris, and there's a good example of a guy who was close, and he, you know, still didn't get his major, but he he, he got his tournament win. But you know, then he hurt his back, and he's got that that weird reverse C finish that was terrible on his back. You know, and I'm concerned that that's the kind of injury that really keeps him from becoming the player he was going to be, much like Brooks Kepka with this knee injury that probably curtailed his plan to win double digit majors. Mm-hmm. So an injury can stop anything, but I don't think Scheffler's going away. I think he he'll be back. I don't know what happened to Morikawa this year. He's supposedly the best iron player in the game. And then this year he wasn't anywhere near the best iron player or anything else. Right. 
he's still young. You would think he's going to bounce back. But, Jeff, the wild card in all these guys is how do they deal with success? Because it's just human nature to get complacent when you've you've just won more money than you can ever spend. You've got your major that you've dreamed of your whole life. What do you do? You know, you climb the mountain. Now what do you do? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I don't think that's what happened to George Spieth. I think he was he had that great year in 2015, and then he won another major, and then he kind of slumped. I don't think it was the fame and all that that got him. It was he tried to get longer because he yeah. kept getting paired with Jason Day. He was blown at 40 yards by him, and he thought, how am I going to beat this guy? And another guy who fell victim to the distance drug. Uh, right. And he's still he's still not back. And now you get to the age where maybe you're not putting quite as well as you did when you were a precocious 21-year-old. So a lot of things go into it. But I think we saw a couple guys this year. You know, I, Scheffler especially, he's here to stay. John Rahm's here to stay. Didn't have the greatest year, but he had three wins. He just won the the event in uh, – in, over in Saudi Arabia, so he's he's not going anywhere either. And it's a shame that we're not going to get Cam Smith on the PGA Tour again because there was a guy who putts so well that yes. he had Ben Crenshaw career in, in the making where the guy putts so good, he's going to win two or three or four majors just by accident. Yeah. The only guy I've ever seen in all the years of watching golf that ever made a serious big comeback and go through all that adversity was Tiger. Because he he climbed that mountain, he slid down the other side. He climbed that mountain, he slid down the other side. Each time changing his golf swing, but every time he got that whatever swing he was working on, you know, narrowed down to a, a fine tuned instrument, he'd climb back up that mountain. And I don't know how many guys really have that tenacity to do that. Well, Tiger had the the wild card that he was one of the technically best putters of all time. Mm -hmm. So he was always a great putter. You know, just like Nicholas, that's what kept Nicholas competitive. He could always putt. You know, he could always drive it reasonably straight, and he was long. Uh, Tiger isn't necessarily straight, but he was always long, and he was the best iron player in the game for 10, 12, 14 years. Um, so he had all those things he could always fall back on. You know, and Spieth was like that. In, his, in 2015, he was just about the best iron player in the game. You look at the proximity stats. He was hitting it closer more often from every distance than most of the other guys. And then combine that with his putting. And of course we've seen, we've seen his short game and the chipping stuff he does, you know, holding the bunker shot at Hartford and yeah. the guys are one of the great chippers of all time. So, you know, he's able to keep himself in there, even though he doesn't drive it very well because he's got everything else. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back with uh, our friend of the show, superb writer um, and not a bad golfer. Gary Van Sickle right after this. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. We'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef the way nature intended. And also, John Breaker and his crew over at Birdie Ball, and you can check out the Birdie Balls at birdieball.com. When the weather gets crappy at my house, I hit them off my back porch. I got a little mat there for them, and I can just chip them out of the yard. Then when it rain stops, I go out and get them and bring them back. But they don't really fly more than 40 yards, but they weigh the same, and they and they fly the 
Very, very similar to a golf ball. Also, if you want to email us, just info at grillingatthegreen.net. Also, you can find us through Golf News Net uh, Network's new iHeart dedicated golf channel. That's the Golf News Net channel on iHeart Podcast. And we're part of that group. So we appreciate Ryan Balaji and his crew. We're talking to our buddy Gary Van Sickle today. Um, I know you don't cover the LPGA or anything, but the guy that was the uh, and I, I should have written down his name because I don't know it off the top of my head, but it was the chairman and the CEO of the CME and and uh, Lydia Ko just got the biggest check ever for an individual win in LPGA uh, history. Two million bucks. OK. And but the thing was, there's been a lot of press the last couple, three days. They had a dinner planned. None of the girls showed up for that dinner. He had some executives there and some other high-powered people there. And and you know as well as I do that when you get in that sponsorship world like that, it's it's who you know and what the product is and all that. Uh, and I've and I'm a big proponent of the LPGA, partly because we have a very nice tournament here in Portland. But I thought, man, somebody really shot the goose in the ass on that thing because uh Guy's handing you a check for two million bucks, and you can't sit down and have a hamburger with him. Yeah, modern players, male and female, all have a sense of entitlement. They feel like, well, of course I deserve this two million dollars because I hit a ball with a stick, and who wouldn't want to watch that? The fact is, you need to keep your sponsors happy, and you would think the PGA, the LPGA tour, would be far more sensitive to that than the pga tour where money's been thrown around for a long time right uh you know the pga tour they have pro-ams on wednesday and they have a pro-am pairings party to see who you're going to play with tuesday night and you know they try like heck to get two or three guys to show up for that to mingle with the players and you know it's a stretch so yeah yeah but in an event like this somebody needs to alert the players like hey I'm sure if they'd known the chairman of the tournament is expecting you to be there, I bet a lot of them would have showed up. But, you know, it is more might have been there had the dinner been Tuesday night instead of Wednesday night. And some of them probably had 7 a.m. tea times, 7.30 tea times. Sure. And they got to be they got to get up at 4.30 and go scratch. And, you know, they've got an early day. So they don't want to go to a dinner the night before they play. So I think that was part of it. But. Uh, I, they should have somebody with the LPGA should have made sure that some players were there, but they that's it's a PR disaster. But the stuff yeah. happens. Yeah, they'll get over it. Players are used to doing their own thing, and yeah. you have to. It, it, it's like trying to herd cats to get them to do something. So, <laughs> but I, I bet they, I'll bet they would. I bet a number of them want to come had they known this guy was going to you know make a big deal out of it. They would have said, "Well, sure, I would have got." They always assume, well, I'm not going. Ten other girls will go. I'm not going. You know, right. you know how it is. I'm yeah, not yeah. going to so and so's party, but I know a bunch of other people are. And then they hold the head same idea, and nobody goes. So, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't criticize them too much for that. But it's a thing where tour officials need to be aware of that and make sure they have some representation. Yeah, I, I don't have. I'm not critical of the girls at all, but you know, the ongoing battle in any professional sports these days is sponsorship. And, and of course, 
you know, football teams and basketball teams and the and the PGA Tour, they're big dollar cats. And when you're trying to grow something, you would think somebody in the front office would say, uh, hey, Lydia, hey, Jess, hey, Nellie, you know, hey, Lexi, we need you guys Tuesday night here. You only have to be there an hour and a half, but we need you there. And so, you know, maybe they're not used to dealing with that size of paychecks and and sponsorship commitments. I don't know. I don't know all the ins and outs there, but I just thought it 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 just didn't look very good. But we'll we'll move forward here. Um, well, you know, Jeff, one other thing on that, you know, the two million dollar first prize, which was their biggest ever. Did you notice what Roy McIlroy got for winning the race to Dubai? I mean, he finished third, I think, to Rom, who won, uh, I think, three million in the tournament. But their big race to Dubai, which is their ver- the European Tour's version of the FedEx Cup. The winner, Rory McIlroy, for winning, got $2 million. FedEx Cup winner, Rory got $18 million for winning the FedEx Cup. He got $2 million for winning Europe's race to Dubai, which was the same as what yeah. Lydia Ko got. So which tour do you think sounds like it is in the worst shape? European tours, they need to up their game. They're, 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 they can't find sponsorships uh, at home. They have to go abroad. You know, their their money is really falling off a cliff. Well, I mean, I, maybe once upon a time they were seventy percent of the PGA Tour, but gosh, now they're like twenty twenty percent. Well, and they had a lot of their members get recruited to live, and you know, it just when you're when your top players kind of take a exit, take the exit door on you. And you're looking at uh, Mercedes Benz of Europe or something, and you're asking them for $20 million and they say, well, who's going to play? And well, we don't have this guy and we don't have this guy. We got, yeah. we, we got, we, we got Ross Fisher. Yeah. Yeah. Or what was the guy that never wore a hat? Uh, for years, he looked kind of, I can't remember his uh, name. Yeah. They, we got Ollie Schneider Johns <laughs> and uh, you know, but they've got, uh, they've got, you know, well, the first problem is, they're good players all came to the U S because there's way more money. And then some of those guys even still took the money and went to live. And then a lot of guys and you I mean, again, I think we've had this discussion, but yeah, if you're looking to uh, secure your family for life, why would you go to live? Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of drawbacks, but you know, Brooks Kepka got a hundred million dollars. You know, that's that's 10 or 12 years on the PGA Tour to win that. So it's crazy money. Well, you know, I've kind of changed my my outlook on live. And I guess um, some of the mid-level players and stuff that got recruited, I can completely understand why they went there for those paydays. Because like you said, their careers are probably not going to be 30 years. You know, uh, they're not probably going to be 20 years. It just happens. Bodies wear out. They get tired. They haven't made enough money. And if they could get a 20, even a $25 million payday from them and they secure their family. Okay. Uh, but I, I still have a thing with, I, I, maybe my thing is with Greg Norman. I don't know. Uh, he's not the most personal cuss in the world, but, um, maybe I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm kind of torn because I, over the summer, I've kind of 
watch some guys. And then I watched them fire some live players right at the beginning, guys that signed with them from like Northern Ireland, Ireland. And then they kicked their butts out and brought some other guys in because they've got a 48 player roster. And, you know, so I think it's going to shake out over the next year or two, Gary, but we'll have to well, see. Well, think about, think about who they have. What players does live have that you really miss from the PGA tour? All right. Cameron Smith, the mullet, uh, DeChambeau was the talk of golf two years ago, but he's, he vanished again. There's another guy with an injury that he may never be the same. And Kepka, who, you know, was chasing history, but he may have realized that he can't chase history with a knee. Dustin Johnson's 38. I mean, how many, I just don't think he wanted to work that hard, but who, who do they have that you miss on the PGA tour? Phil, the only thing we miss about Phil is he could be, really be a star on the senior tour, except now if you're talking about even going to win any money doing that. Right. So who, who do they have? Who do they have that the PGA tour misses? I, I can't, I, other than Cameron Smith, I can't, I can't, Patrick Reed. I can't name anybody. Um, Wade Armsby. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I was, you know, I, one of the things that goes right along with that thought, Gary, is you got Pat Perez there who didn't win really Jack all year, but he made a bundle of money because he was on their team and he had guaranteed income and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. He's on the team with Dustin Johnson. And so was Peter Uline who didn't have PGA tour status and honestly didn't have the credentials to even be invited to play on live, but then he did. And he validated himself by playing well. And he, he walked away with $11 million, which I'm sure he hasn't won a third of that in in 15 years in pro golf. So right. who are you missing? Cameron Smith is about it. That's about it. Uh, but Gary and I will be back on grilling at the green right after this. Don't go away. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to uh, Grilling at the Green. We're talking with my good friend Gary Van Sickle today from uh, Sports Illustrated and in sundry of other assignments over his career. I was going to tell you, Gary, too, you know, usually when we do the after hours, I came up with a whole new list of questions for you for after hours. Oh, great. Not probably not more than two of them have to do with golf, but you're going to love them. I guarantee it. You know, I had. Um, Oh, Whit Watson from the Golf Channel on the other day. Uh, nice guy. Great interview. It was super. And the one thing that he said, and then what I promise, folks, we won't talk about this again till next year. He just, I said, if I made you supreme ruler of golf for one day, what would you do? He goes, I would make the PGA guys and the live guys get locked into a room and try to sort this stuff out because it's not good for anybody the way they're going at it and in court battles and stuff and i thought that was a pretty reasonable um you know answer from a guy who obviously like you covers a lot of pga events and and, and that but i don't know if you could ever get him to do that well uh, i was just at the rsm classic down in south georgia and davis love was asked something about it and he said i'll just i just said i just played in the pro-am with jay monahan on my team and I'll just repeat what Jay says. I'll remind you, they're suing us. So Davis's position is, 
well, if they drop the lawsuit and say we we give up, then we'll talk to them. But until then, as long as you're trying to sue us, we got nothing to talk about. And I think that's a valid a valid yeah. point. So yeah. drop the lawsuit and say, hey, we want to work with you. But the two are still not going to work with them. That's they don't like competition. They're they're trying to crush them. So uh, you know, it's kind of like saying, well, I think we need to get Luke and Han Solo in the room with the Emperor to discuss this Death Star issue and sort it out. Well, I don't think it can be sorted out because the PGA Tour does not want a competitor. And Greg Norman and Liv does not want to, you know, they want to beat the PGA Tour. They don't want to join it. Right. So I think it's a good idea. I don't think it would, at this point, it's not It's not realistic. Let's switch gears here for something a little more fun. Um, they've changed the, the tour schedule. And we had this wraparound thing before, and now we've got it. We're kind of back to a semblance of what we had previously. And do you think at all that that confuses the average citizen, the average golfer at home that likes to watch the majors or he likes to watch the FedEx cup playoffs or something. And, you know, they kind of change the schedules around and, and that I think that people I talk to some, times you know you know when the masters is going to be you know when the open is going to be you know and the and the pga and and the usga or the us open they're going to be in that mix somewhere the weekends might change but anything else it just kind of keeps getting shifted around and just from a programming sense in my world i i would rather see them just be consistent like we used to be but i'm old school too so well, you're right. There's there's uh, there's tradition and there's comfort in knowing when everything is and all that. What I don't like is the these 13 elevated events and plus a couple of wild cards. I think that's bad. I think that's bad marketing of your product. You're taking and they did this 20 some years ago with the World Golf Championships. You know, you have a tour. All the events are more or less the same. A few of, you know, risen above the uh, stand out above the others colonial colonial used to be a big stop uh, memorial was always a better than average they invent the world golf championship so all the top players now are committed to play four events well they just took four events off say tiger schedule four events that he would have played there's four tour stops he's not going to play now so now you've taken these elevated events and you're going to have a bit more money there's a bonus pool at the end of the year uh, and these guys all agree the top players are going to play. So now you've taken scheduling out of the hands of the individual players, top players. They are now going to play these elevated tournaments plus the World Golf Championships and the majors. That's it. If you're not an elevated tournament, who's coming to play in your event? Right. You know, you'll be hoping to get Ollie Schneider Johns. So you have undermined and overshadowed the other events just the way the World Golf Championships did. I mean, it used to be, oh, maybe Tiger would go play Phoenix or a couple events. Well, as soon as you get the World Golf Championships, now he's not going to Phoenix or Colonial or you name, whatever, wherever. Right. You, you you're hurting your own events at the expense of trying to get the top players, you know, more money, which they had to do to respond to Lib. Uh, we've got to get out of here. Gary is sticking around for after hours, and I guarantee you, you will not want to miss this one. But, buddy, thank you for jumping in the show again, like always. 
It's always fun. I enjoy seeing Hawaii in the background. There you go. There you go. We'll be back next week with another edition of Grilling at the Green. Until then, uh, go out, play some golf if you can, and be kind. Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, all rights reserved.